Okay, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. And I've been listening to 610 since back in the 80s. This is the best combination for afternoon drive time sports radio I've ever heard. Show, Clint, you guys got it going on, man. I really appreciate your show. Best hair at the station, this entire show right here. React to that. Clint, you can put your toes up in the river, my man, and pop that cord light. I love beer. Hey, gentlemen. A show and a Clinton show. I love your show. You guys are great. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Somebody out there listening right Ooh, now. Yeah. yeah, don't do that. Is that Mike Hot Top? I'm going to kick your ass, Tyler. I'll tell you <laughs> Whoa, what. what? Talking all that, man. What's up? How y'all doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. Welcome into Sports Radio 610. Clint and the show are out. Adam Spillane is in. Jacob Reiner is producing in place of Tyler Milner. Glad you could join us today. Hope you had a great Christmas. Hope you're having a great start to your week. Uh, show will be back tomorrow. I'll be in with him. Uh, I believe Clint is out the entire week. Jacob will be in here, let's see, tomorrow and Wednesday, and then Tyler is back on Thursday. So pinch hitting here on a holiday week. Glad again that you could join us and got a lot to get to today. Uh, Y'all heard the James Harden news yesterday that he might be interested in a reunion with the Rockets. We'll get into that. I kind of think that the team should certainly explore that possibility. If he's willing to meet a certain condition, I'll let you know what that is. That'll be later this hour. We'll also hear from Lovey Smith coming up later in the show. But speaking of Lovey Smith, I have no idea what's going to happen in the future with him. It kind of feels like he might be one and done this season. Um, it's gone better over the last few weeks, I think it's safe to say, but I don't think that covers up what happened the first, what, 11 games of the season, which were pretty ugly. So if it's me, I'm probably moving on from Lovey Smith. I, again, I don't know what the team's thinking. I don't know if they want to go with another head coach after you fire Bill O'Brien in 2020, you fire David Cully after last season. Do you really want to have to go through another head coach search? But that's the situation that they're in right now. And I'm watching the Arizona Cardinals-Tampa Bay Bucks game last night, and I've seen better football games. wasn't great. But at one point in the game, Melissa Stark, does a sideline report and she gives an update on Kyler Murray who tore his ACL a couple of weeks ago against the Patriots. And she says that Kyler Murray is going to have surgery next week and it's a nine month recovery. So you're looking at October for for when he can come back. And it looks like Cliff Kingsbury is going to either be fired or he is going to resign as the Cardinals head coach. And I'm thinking as, as, uh, as Melissa Stark or as is giving this report, I'm thinking if they fire Cliff Kingsbury, that is not a job I want. That's a bad job because, again, you're not going to have your quarterback for a good portion of next season. He he might only miss three games. Murray might only miss three games, but it's not like he's going to be Kyler Murray when he comes back. You don't just magically get back to 100% the second that you come back from an ACL reconstruction. That's not how it works. So you're looking at essentially next year being a throwaway for the Cardinals. That's an older team. Probably their two best players are J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins at this point. Both are in their 30s. That's not a job that I'm looking to take. And so if, if I'm thinking, if I'm the Cardinals, I just roll it back. I just run it back another year with Cliff Kingsbury and say, hey, man, you got to wear this one. And if you do great and we overachieve, then you, then you get to keep the job. If not, 
then you know we're gonna <laughs> we'll move on at that point. But I don't think that people will be lining up to take that Cardinals job, assuming that it becomes open. Somebody will take it. It's a head coach job in the NFL. There's only 32 of the jobs out there. But as I'm running through this in my head, it basically occurs to me that if the Texans were to move on from Lovey Smith this after the season, the Texans job might be the most appealing that's out there. And we just had another coach opening this week uh, today as the Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett after not, he didn't even complete his first season there. So that leaves four openings that I'm assuming we're going to have four openings. You have the Cardinals. We just talked about with Cliff Kingsbury. He might just resign if they don't fire him. The, uh, the Broncos who just fired Nathaniel Hackett today, the Colts who fired Frank Reich a few weeks ago, and then Carolina who fired Matt rule, uh, earlier this season, though, Steve Wilkes has done a really nice job in his place. Now, there there will be, I'm sure there will be another job or two open up, that open up. You could have playoff teams who underachieve. The Chargers could be a team that might look to make a coaching change if they finish the, the season in disappointing fashion. There will be other jobs. Very rarely do you go through an offseason and there are less than five openings, less than five coaching changes, but it, it shows you how many coaching changes that we've seen over the last couple of years that you just don't have that many out there. But in thinking about the Texans, if, again, they were to move on from Lovey Smith, you have cap space. The one good thing about completely whiffing on the draft year after year after year or not having picks year after year after year is that you don't have to pay anyone. And they have basically sat out free agency, at least the expensive parts of free agency. So I think they are looking at having well over $50 million in cap space going into, next, going into the offseason, into the spring. And they can easily create more space if they need to. So you have that. You have draft capital. You have what I still assume will be the number one pick in the draft. I mean, that could change. But they're looking at having the number one pick in the draft. They will have Cleveland's first round pick, which could be a top 10 pick, depending on how the rest of the Brown season shakes out. And then if the Texans do wind up with the first pick in the draft, they get the first pick of the second round which is the 32nd pick of the draft and in almost every in every other year that's a first round pick but because Miami lost its first round pick because of the Tom Brady tampering story there're only 31 first round picks this year so you have an opportunity to add three high level players to your roster that's appealing right there plus the cap space that's a job i want and obviously the expectations will be incredibly low because this team has won four games, four games, and right now, with two games to go, they have won two games. It's hard to do much worse than that. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. And then you look at the other jobs that are open. I just went through the Cardinals. Cap space, none. Quarterback is hurt. They can't do anything to move off of him. And really, their best players are older and going to be free agents. J.J. Watt dominated portions of that game last night against Tampa Bay, he's not under contract for next season. There's no way J.J. Watt's going back there next year. So you lose him. The Hopkins contract is not great. And there's just not a whole lot of talent on that roster. They they used their first-round pick last year to get Hollywood Brown, who's been okay when he's played. He just hadn't played a whole lot. So that's not a great situation. All right, let's go to Denver. You take that Denver job, you're stuck with Russell Wilson, who's been a complete disaster this season. That has been 
I don't know if it's the worst trade in NFL history, but it's up there. It's really bad. They don't have their first round pick this year because they gave that up to get Russell Wilson. They didn't have a first round pick last year. They gave that up to get Russell Wilson. They did get one back when they traded Bradley Chubb at the deadline. But again, that's not an appealing situation right now. And the expectations in Denver are always going to be elevated and you're saddled with Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson appears to be on the downside and there's no reason to think that that situation is getting any better. That's not a job that I want. The Colts. It's a strange roster. It's kind of a top-heavy roster. No quarterback, although they'll have the opportunity if they lose these next three games, which is possible. If they lose these next three games, the Colts could wind up, although one of the games is against the Texans, so maybe not, but the Colts can wind up with a high pick, which would put them in a position to draft a quarterback if they wanted to. But they got a little bit of cap space, but the the guys who they are paying, the Quentin Nelsons, the Shaq Leonards, those guys have either been hurt or they've underperformed, and that's who your a lot of your cap is tied into right now. So just based on the roster, that's not a team that I'm really interested in. And then there's the owner, Jim Irsay, who is, let's be honest, he's a little wacky. Do I want to work for Jim Irsay? You know, you look at Cal McNair, and we can... We we have said a lot of stuff about Cal McNair on this station, and a lot of it is deserved. But Jim Irsay gets in the way. Jim Irsay is dictating who a starting quarterback is going to be on a given week. Jim Irsay is telling you to fire your offensive coordinator during the season. That's not a great working environment. Jim Irsay is the one who basically demanded that the Colts move off of Carson Wentz after last season, which was the right decision. But then they're bringing in another veteran quarterback. So they're just going veteran quarterback after veteran quarterback after veteran quarterback, and it hasn't worked. So I don't know if I want to work for Jim Irsay. And then you have Carolina, and Steve Wilkes deserves an opportunity to keep that job. He got screwed in Arizona. He came in after Bruce Arians, and they were in tarot down mode at that point. That was a bad team. They saddled him with a a top 10 quarterback, a top 10 pick quarterback in uh, Josh Rosen who wasn't good, and they failed. And that was he was always going to fail. That was just how that was set up. And they let him go after one year. Cliff Kingsbury replaces him, and look how that's worked out. It hasn't worked out great. So Steve Wilkes deserves the opportunity, but that's not an appealing job either. They have no cap space there. And because the Panthers have been winning games with Steve Wilkes and they have a chance to make the playoffs, you're looking at getting a low pick in the first round. If the Panthers win these next two games, they would win the NFC South. You're looking at a pick outside the top 20. So it's great that Carolina's winning some games and they put themselves in an opportunity to compete for the division and make the playoffs. And who knows what happens once you get into the playoffs, but cap spit, no cap space, no draft capital. It's not a great job right now. And the owner there, Dave Tepper, doesn't seem to know exactly how he wants to do things. Through all that money at Matt Rule, that didn't work out. They went quarterback. They kind of did the same thing that the Colts have done when it comes to a quarterback. They just gone with the younger guys. And that hasn't worked. It was Teddy Bridgewater. Then it was Sam Darnold. Then it was Baker Mayfield. Now it's Sam Darnold again. They've drafted some quarterbacks in the third and fourth round the last couple of years. None of them have worked out when they've been given an opportunity. Some of them have gotten hurt. So, again, that's not a real appealing job either. 
So I look at the Texans, and last year it was the Texans' job was not appealing this time last year because you knew that it was going. You knew they they're going to have they were going to have a high pick in the first round, but there's no quarterback to take, and they didn't have any cap space going into last year because they had all the dead money cleaning up the the mess that was left by Bill O'Brien. Now, in terms of the cap sheet and the draft capital, that stuff has been cleaned up under Nick Casario. Nick Casario has gotten them draft picks thanks to the Deshaun Watson trade. He's cleaned up the cap. And now they are sitting in a position where they have a chance to really add some high-end talent. They did that in the draft last year, and you've seen it. You've seen flashes from those guys. They had the two first-round picks. Derek Stingley Jr., who flashed at times when he played. He didn't play a whole lot, especially in the second half of the year, but still looks like he's going to be a quality player in the NFL for a long time. Kenyon Green, jury's out. Not a good rookie season, but that happens when you're a rookie. This isn't college anymore. The guys you're playing now are a lot be- are a lot better. You would like to see more from an offensive lineman taken in the first round, but we'll see what happens next year. He's got an offseason to improve. He's got an offseason to get better. We'll see what happens at training camp. Jalen Petrie's had a really good rookie year. There have been some peaks, there have been some valleys, but he's finishing the season strong, and that's what you're wanting to see. We'll see what happens with John Mechie once he, hopefully he's healthy. Christian Harris missed the first part of the year, but he's played well down the stretch. And then obviously Damian Pierce has had a really nice rookie, had a really nice rookie season before he went down. So you have that first draft class, that 2021, or that, excuse me, that 2022 draft class that, that looks to be a good one. Again, it's early, and some guys have disappointed. Some guys haven't been available, but I think that you're happy with, I I think that they will tell you that they're happy with what they got out of it. And were there maybe better picks than Derek Stingley Jr. at three? Probably. Sauce Gardner appears to be a better player. Kayvon Thibodeau would have been a good player at three, but it's not about comparing Derek Stingley Jr. to those other guys. It's about, is he going to be a great player? That's all that matters. You're not necessarily looking to get the best player. You're looking to get a great player. And Derek Stingley Jr. has the chance to be a great player. So you have that draft class from last April, and then you're going to add it with this draft class coming up. Possibly the number one pick, possibly a second top 10 pick from Cleveland, then the 32nd pick in the draft, assuming you have the number one pick. So you have a chance to add two really high-end players plus another starter. That's a great starting point, and that's a great selling point with a future head coach. So that's one of the reasons why this job would be appealing to me. Lots of cap space, lots of draft capital, a young roster, a lot of room for improvement, no expectations. Sign me up for that if I'm a head coach, if I'm a prospective head coach. Now, we'll see what happens with Lovey Smith. It kind of felt like when they hired David Culley, that would just be a two-year thing. They would fire him and get the guy in who they really wanted, which was why it was strange that they fired Culley in the first place. I don't think anyone thought that Lovey Smith was going to be the head coach here for a long time, but we'll see how that shakes out. I don't know if they want the PR hit of firing another head coach after one year. It doesn't look great. It's expensive. You're paying these guys a lot of money, but it kind of feels like you have an opportunity now to get someone who you really want to grow with this organization. And we'll see how that shakes out. That's Those are the jobs that are open right now. You could have others. We'll see what happens with the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. It kind of seems like McCarthy deserves an opportunity to coach that team next year, no matter what happens. 
We'll see what happens with the Chargers. Brandon Saley has had a nice bounce back these last couple of weeks, but if they completely falter, then maybe a change has to be made. And you give me Justin Herbert, okay, well then now all of a sudden that's the more appealing job than the Texans. But it's not a bad job. It was a bad job last year. It was a bad job two years ago. It's not a bad job right now. This is a job that I would really be interested in. And one of those coaches that could be in the mix if the Texans were to move on from Lovey Smith would be Sean Payton. And Sean Payton is expected to be the top coach available whenever this coaching carousel cycle begins in a couple of weeks. But it's going to take some compensation to get him from the Saints. I don't think that should be a deterrent no matter who the team is. And I'll explain why next on Sports Radio 610. Happy Holidays, Houston. It's a Reaction Monday on Sports Radio 610. In for the drive with Sterner and Hughley, here's Adam Spillane. Welcome back into Sports Radio 610. A Reaction Monday. We'll hear from Lovey Smith coming up a little bit later in our show. Texans will host the Jags in what will essentially amount to a preseason game on Sunday at NRG Stadium. It will mean absolutely nothing to the Jaguars, no matter what happens. They must win week 18 against Tennessee in order to make the postseason. That's it. They entered the week with like a 1% chance to win win a wild card. They would essentially need the Chargers to lose out in order for that to happen. Chargers play tonight against Indianapolis. They could lose that. Then they play Denver next week. Denver just fired its coach. And uh, Nathaniel Hackett was fired earlier today and replaced by Jerry Roseburg, if you missed this. Roseburg was the coach. Basically, he was brought in. Uh, after the season started, when Nathaniel Hackett was struggling to just manage the clock and like get plays in before the uh, before the play clock expired, so Jerry Roseburg is going to be the Broncos' head coach for the last two games of the year in what it was just a disastrous season for them, and so they'll be in the market for a head coach. There will be other teams in the market for a head coach. The Colts, who I just mentioned, will play tonight. They fired their head coach uh, a couple months ago. Same thing with. The Panthers and one of the one of basically the big name that will be available during this cycle is Sean Payton, the former New Orleans Saints head coach who you can see how important he was to the Saints because they have basically fallen off a cliff in the two years that he hasn't coached them. He, he was suspended for the Bounty Gate scandal and they fell off a cliff that year. This year they have not been competitive. And so I think that his value as a head coach, I think it's pretty apparent. but. He's still under contract with the Saints, so if you want him, you're going to have to give something up. And it might wind up being a first-round pick. And to be honest with you, I don't think that should be a deterrence for anyone. Now, in the Texans' case, I'm not giving up the number one overall pick in the draft. I'm not giving up the number two overall pick in the draft. I wouldn't give up the Browns' pick for Sean Payton. But I could go to the Saints and say, hey, we'll give you our first-rounder in 2024. Or I go to them and say, well, I'll give you the I'll give you our, our second-round pick this year which is 32, and every other year that's a first-round pick, but it's a second-rounder this year because the Dolphins lost their first-rounders. So that's what I would go to them and say. And the reason why I don't think it should be a deterrence is that teams have done it before, and it's worked. It's been a while. Last time it happened was 2006, and that was when Kansas City hired Herman Edwards from the New York Jets. It didn't really work out. Edwards only lasted three years in Kansas City. They made the playoffs the first year, but all they gave up for him was a fourth-round pick. That was it. That's nothing. Now, it was pretty common in the late 90s and early 2000s. Teams did it a lot, and I say a lot. It happened four times. 
but it was successful when it did happen. And the first one was Bill Parcells when he went from the Patriots to the Jets. The Jets gave New England third and fourth round picks in 1997, a second round pick in 1998, and a first round pick in 1999. And the Jets actually had to donate $300,000 to a Patriots charity. So that's a hefty price to pay. But I think the Jets would tell you it worked because the Jets were the worst franchise in the entire NFL before Parcells got there, and he turned them around. They finished with the worst record in the NFL in 95 and 96. 97, they were a whisker away from making the playoffs. 98, they went to the AFC Championship game and had a lead at halftime of that game. And then in 99, they missed the playoffs, but that was because Vinny Testaverde got hurt the first half of the season. When I say first half of the season, I mean the very first game of the season. He got hurt in the first half, and that was it. They dug themselves a hole and just did not have enough time to dig out of it. But he changed the culture of that organization. He brought in a lot of talent, and they were competitive for a long time. Almost made the, should have made the playoffs in 2000 after he had left. Made the playoffs in 2001. Made the playoffs in 2002. Made the playoffs in 2004. So bringing on Parcells pointed the Jets in the right direction, and it made them a viable organization for over a decade. So I think they would tell you that giving up what they gave up for Parcells was worth it. A couple of years later, the Seattle Seahawks traded a second-round pick to the Green Bay Packers to get Mike Holmgren. That worked out. Again, Seattle, not a good organization, not a lot of success. Holmgren gets in there. They immediately make the playoffs. And he took them to the Super Bowl. They didn't win that Super Bowl. But again, he increased the talent and he made that a viable franchise for a long time. And they took steps back after he left. But he gave them a foundation. And then Pete Carroll replaced him and obviously did a great job. Actually, it was a year later. It was Jim Moore Jr. replacing Holmgren. He got fired after a year. Then they brought in Pete Carroll and Pete Carroll did a great job. All right. John Gruden from the Raiders to the Bucks. And the Bucks gave up a ton for Gruden. Two first round picks and a second round pick. But that was a, a franchise that had a lot of talent. They went to the NFC Championship game in 99, but they lost in the wild card game in 2000 and 2001. Gruden gets in there and they win the Super Bowl. Didn't win a whole lot after that. Didn't make. I think they made the playoffs once or twice at that point. After that point, but they won the Super Bowl. Would you give up two first round picks and a second round pick to make the Super Bowl? I think most teams would. Super Bowl, and for Tampa Bay, that was their first Super Bowl championship. Now this is the best one. In two thousand, Bill Belichick was hired to replace Bill Parcells. It was his job. He basically had it in his contract that he was going to be the head coach of the Jets as soon as Bill Parcells retired. Bill Parcells retires after the 1999 season. Bill Belichick is the head coach, and Bill Belichick steps away. He's under contract at the time. 
He basically resigns a couple days after. But he's but since he's under contract with the Jets, the Patriots, who had just fired Pete Carroll, have to give something up to get him. And so they give the Jets a first-round pick. It was the 18th pick in the draft. Since doing that, the Patriots have won six Super Bowls. I think giving up the 18th pick in the draft for Bill Belichick worked out for the New England Patriots. So that's why if you're interested in Sean Payton, go get him. If it costs you a first-round pick, as long as it's not the number one pick, as long as it's not a top-ten pick, go ahead and do it. Because a coach, a really good coach, is worth it. And I think that Sean Payton has proven over the course of his career he is a great NFL head coach. He's won a Super Bowl. And remember, they were good right away when he got to New Orleans. And a lot of that had to do with Drew Brees. But they were... They they finished in 2005. They were the second worst team in the NFL. They were right behind the Texans. Had the second pick in the draft. And they go from that to winning 10 games and getting to the NFC Championship in the first year. And the only year that he missed was 2012. That was when he was suspended. But just look at the records for the Saints under Sean Payton. 10 and 6, 7 and 9, 8 and 8, 13 and 3, won the Super Bowl. 11 and 5, 13 and 3, 13 and 3. Then they had that rough stretch after Bounty Gate where they go 7 and 9, 7 and 9, 7 and 9. But then they follow it up with four straight division championships 11 and 5, 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 12 and 4. They really should have won at least, gone to at least one Super Bowl in that stretch. Maybe probably won another. They got really unlucky in some of these postseason games. There was the Minneapolis Miracle, there was the botched pass interference call that they did not get against the Rams. Lost in overtime to the Vikings. It was a good team. And then last year, Sean Payton's last season in New Orleans, after Drew Brees retires, they still go 9-8. and eight. He had a really good year with them last year, and it showed you just how much value someone like that has. So if it all, all that costs you is a, is a first-round pick, a late first-round pick, go ahead and do it. That's how much a head coach is worth. And there's no salary cap on head coaches either. There's no salary cap on coaching staffs. That's one of the advantages that you can have with a coaching staff. So I don't know if Sean Payton would want the Texans job. Again, I don't even know if the Texans job will be open. But it is very possible that this is, an, this is a job that would appeal to him because, like we talked earlier, lots of cap space. They might wind up with the first with the number one pick in the draft. He'll be able to pick his quarterback if that's the case. And, again, he just brings success, and I think that other players would want to play for him. I know he's been linked to the Cowboys job, but Mike McCarthy, probably not losing that job. Unless the Cowboys somehow lose that first playoff game to either Carolina or New Orleans or Tampa Bay, which I don't think will happen, that team's too good. Mike McCarthy's going to stick around another year, and he frankly has earned it. He's earned that chance. So I think that that's one less opportunity for Sean Payton unless he just wants to stay out of coaching for another year and stay in TV. So that's a possibility. But that's something to look out for. And again, Lovey Smith might keep the job. We'll hear from Lovey Smith a little bit later in the show. When we come back, James Harden might be interested in a reunion with the Rockets. If I'm them, I would do it, but it's under one condition. I'll tell you what that condition is next on Houston Sports Leader Sports Radio 610. Happy holidays, Houston. It's a reaction Monday on Sports Radio 610. In for the drive with Sterner and Hughley, here's Adam Spillane. 
Show will be back tomorrow. I'll be in with him. Clint is out, I guess, for the rest of the year. I guess he'll be back once uh, the, once the calendar changes. But Adam Spillane with you until 5 o'clock on a Reaction Monday. We'll hear from Lovey Smith coming up a little bit later in our show. Texans will host the Jags, the home finale on Sunday from NRG Stadium. And then they will close the season out against the Indianapolis Colts. Colts play tonight against the Chargers. Big game for the Chargers who are in prime position to make the playoffs with uh, Justin Herbert after they just barely missed out a year ago. Rockets are in Chicago. They will take on the Bulls tonight, the front end of a back-to-back. They will have to go to Boston tomorrow. That's as tough a matchup as there is right now. The Celtics might be the best team in the NBA right now. But the Rockets were in the news yesterday despite not playing. And that's because... ESPN reported, and this was this has been out there. This wasn't like some big story, but I guess the one the I guess the one thing that made it newsy is that ESPN reported James Harden would actually consider returning to the Rockets when he becomes a free agent this summer. Now Harden signed a a one year contract with an option for a second year with Philadelphia over the summer, and as soon as that happened. The assumption was always going to be that he would be a free agent after this season. The Rockets would have plenty of cap space once this season ends and that a reunion with the Rockets could be a possibility. Now you see ESPN put it out there that Harden would be interested in coming back. Well, now you start to really think about it. And if you want to get in on this, 713-572-4610, that's the text line, 713-572-4610. If I'm the Rockets, I'm... I'm not just considering it. I would do it upon one condition, and I'll get into that in a minute. But I know the divorce with Harden and the Rockets was ugly, and a lot of it played out publicly. You had the trade request before that COVID season started, the 20, I guess it was basically November of 2020, when the trade request was made public. He didn't show up for training camp on time. He's out in Vegas. He's out in Atlanta. He was petulant when he did arrive. The effort wasn't exactly there for those eight games when he actually did play. And then, of course, he had the press conference after the Lakers game where he basically walked off and walked out on the team at the same time. But the bridges between the two sides really weren't burned. The Rockets traded Harden to one of the places he wanted to go to. He said he wanted to go to one of four places. Milwaukee, Miami, Philadelphia, or Brooklyn. They sent him to the Nets. They could have gotten more maybe from Sacramento. They could have gotten more from maybe another team out there, but they sent him to Brooklyn. And Harden has relationships with many guys on this team. Josh Christopher asked Harden permission to wear his number at Arizona State. Kevin Porter Jr. has basically been mentored by Harden throughout his career. Those two are very close. Harden is in constant communication with Jalen Green. And Harden was in Houston. Harden still lives here a good portion of the year. Has a house here. He was around a lot this summer. And he's playing pickup at Toyota Center with a lot of these guys. Green, Christopher, Porter, Jabari Smith Jr. He's playing with these guys. He has relationships with these guys. So I I don't think it's that far off. If that that he would be interested now, part of me thinks that this is a little bit of a ploy on his end to ensure that he gets 
the money that he wants from Philadelphia. He took less to go back there, and part of that was so that they could fill other parts of the roster. They brought in P.J. Tucker. They brought in Daniel House Jr. because Harden took less money, and he would be eligible, again, for another Supermax. Those guys are already under contract, so he could really cash in this year after he did not cash in last year, and by floating out that he would go to the Rockets, who will have max cap space this summer, then that maybe really puts Philadelphia to the fire, whereas... Last summer, there wasn't another option for him. This summer, now maybe there is, and now Philadelphia feels like they're backed into a corner. But if he is interested and seriously interested, if I'm the Rockets, I would do it if Harden is willing to change a few things. And the big thing, and as great as he was here, and he was great here, he's the best player to wear a Rockets uniform since Akeem Olajuwon, and it's not close. His eight years here were as good as anything that we have seen since. Five top three MVP finishes. He won one. He probably should have won at least one other one. They got to the Western Conference Finals three a uh, couple times. They just ran into the best team of this era, and they couldn't get past the Warriors. No, There is no shame in losing to the Golden State Warriors. There just isn't. That's how good that team was. But Harden, at the same time, as great as he was, he kind of takes over your organization. And if they were going to L.A. and they had a couple days off before, they would go to L.A. early. If they had some time off after an L.A. game, they would stay in L.A. a little bit longer. And that's because Harden wanted to be in L.A. If Harden wants to come back, he's got to be one of 15. He can't be one of one. He can't put himself above the rest of the organization. And that's my one condition with him coming back. From a basketball standpoint, they need him. The Rockets can't afford to be bad again. They are a bad basketball team right now. They are they don't have the worst record in the NBA, but it's right there. They are they are another bad couple of weeks away from having the worst record in the NBA. That's okay for this year. That's okay. They have their first round pick. They don't have to worry about trading that. They don't lose that. However, next year it's different. The bills on the Chris Paul-Russell Westbrook trade come due next year. Their first-round pick goes to Oklahoma City unless it falls in the top four. 2025, it's a pick swap with Oklahoma City. Again, they would lose their pick if it falls outside the top four. And again, in 2026, they lose their pick to Oklahoma City unless it falls into the top four. So they don't control their drafts after 2023. That's why they need to get good again. Harden makes them a better basketball team. I know he's older. I know he's not the same player. But this year alone, he's averaging 22 points, 6 rebounds, and 11 assists a game. You talk about how the Rockets need help at point guard. That's what he does. And he will make those players better. And also, the other thing, too, that they need, this Rockets team is so young. They are so, so young. They need a veteran who's really invested in the future of the team. Because right now, the Rockets really only have one veteran, and that's Eric Gordon. He's not really invested in the future. He's got one foot out the door. I think he's just waiting to be traded. So... If you have someone who's really invested in making these guys better, and he already has relationships with these guys, I think that matters. 
Now, the Rockets have had a good two drafts. They've gotten a lot of talent in these last two drafts, starting with Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. Then you go to Shingoon, you go to Tari Eason. Usman Garuba has shown some signs this season. You have K.J. Martin, Kevin Porter Jr., obviously. I mean, that's a decent foundation. You'll add a top three pick, or you could add a top three pick. In this draft, you'll probably add at least a top five pick at worst. And then you have a ton of cap space. Now, who are you using that cap space on? Cap space is great to have in theory, but you got to have somebody take it. And the 2023 free agents aren't great. It's not a great free agent class. The 2024 class is better, but you still have to have somebody want to take your money. And you see it all the time where teams will hoard their cap space in hopes of landing the big fish. And most of the time, the big fish doesn't show up. Like for me... 2024, Jalen Brown would be the guy that I would want. But if you want Jalen Brown and you want to get him out of Boston, it's really hard to do that because, first of all, the Celtics can pay him more. The rules of the NBA are set up to where a player makes more money if he returns to the team that he's already with. So you're not, so it's almost impossible to get Jalen Brown out of Boston with that. Would you rather, would you be overpaying to get James Harden? Absolutely. That's what free agency is, though. And don't worry about what the contract number is, especially this year, because the cap is going up. The cap is going to spike in a couple of years when TV money really kicks in and you get and, and the TV rights go up. So for me, it's a no-brainer. He's that good, and I'm seeing it on the text line, 713-572-4610. At this point in, in his career, James Harden does not make a basketball team better. That's just false. This is a guy who had 21 assists the other night. This is a guy who absolutely controlled the game last night, or I should say yesterday, in New York. 22 points, 11 assists a game. If you don't think that makes a basketball team better, I don't know what to tell you. Is he the James Harden that was finishing top three in the MVP voting when he his first go-around with the Rockets? No, he's not that. But you don't need him to be that. That's why you have Jalen Green. That's why you have Jabari Smith Jr. That's why you have Kevin Porter Jr. That's why you have whoever your first-round pick in this draft will be. That's why you have more cap space to go get other guys as well. You're not asking James Harden to be James Harden of old. You are asking James Harden to supplement the guys that you already have. And he can still do that. He is, I don't know if he's the best passer in the NBA, but he's one of them. He can come. The Rockets' offense is bad. The Rockets have a bad offense. They are a bad offensive team because they don't know they don't have anyone who can come in and run an offense. James Harden is a one man. Basically, James Harden can run an offense, and he can run it at a high level. He can do it as a scorer. He can do it as a distributor. And you've already seen it this season with Philadelphia, and even last year when he was healthy. He has changed the way he plays. He doesn't take as many shots as he did before. He understands, I have Joel Embiid. I'm going to set him up and make him better. I have Tyrese Maxey. I'm going to set him up and make him better. I have Tobias Harris. I'm going to set him up and make him better. That's what James Harden does. Can James Harden... Was James Harden an elite scorer? Yes, but he was also an elite distributor. It's a guy who led the league in assists. 
He averaged almost 12 assists in, uh, per game one year. That first Mike D'Antoni year. That's how good the guy is. And that's what he brings you. He is an elite offense all to himself. And again, the Rockets need that. The Rockets cannot go through another season like this again. Are there other options in free agency? Yes. Would you rather overpay for James Harden or would you rather overpay for Kyle Kuzma? I would rather overpay for James Harden. So, and I have somebody else on the text line. He cares more about making money than winning. That's not true because he just took less money for the Sixers to improve their roster. P.J. Tucker, Daniel House Jr. are on the Sixers today because James Harden took less money to make it happen. Like, basically, I mean, the Sixers got banged for tampering from the league because Daryl Morey basically sat down with Harden. He sat down with P.J. Tucker and Daniel House and said, hey, this is how much we can give you. James, this is how much you'll have to take in order to make this happen. And he did it. So, the what people think of James Harden and the reputation that he has doesn't really stand up to what the facts say. Now, again, he's going to have to change some stuff. He can't be the James Harden that he was here the first time, but he makes the Rockets a better basketball team if he comes back. Now, I still think the chances of him coming back are slim, but I'm not ignoring the possibility if I'm Rafael Stone in the Rockets. In fact, I'm welcoming it. I'm going to try and make it happen. Will it work out? Who knows? But you've got a nice foundation here. He will make those young guys better because that's how good he is. He'll be invested in the organization and he's already invested in these young kids already. So if I'm the Rockets, I am doing what I can to get James Harden back here. We'll talk about the Rockets and James Harden a little bit later. Again, they are in Chicago tonight, front end of a back-to-back. Bulls tonight, Celtics tomorrow. They have lost five in a row. They have won nine games this year. They have won, like, I don't know, 34 games or something since James Harden left. It's not a lot of games. Not a lot of winning has been done since James Harden left the Rockets almost two years ago. When we come back, we'll get you caught up on the news of the day with the big three at three. That's next on Houston Sports Leader Sports Radio 6.